When we hear the phrase, watch your language, is that just a flashback to our childhood or is there something more to consider? My name is Don Culp. I'm a certified hypnotherapist, Reiki master teacher, meditation coach, and owner of the Zen Room in Gilroy, California. You can also find us online at www.thezenroom.net. And today we're going to be talking about watching our language. and thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Zen Room. So today we are going to be talking about language. So there's a whole little road that I'm going to take you down on once we get into the heart of this uh, juicy conversation, but um, I always like to start with a definition just to make sure that we are all on the same page. So first and foremost, um, if we're going to be watching our language, we have to look at the unit of measurement within the language, which in, for most people, it's, it's the word. So arguably, yes, there's body language. Yes, there's facial expressions. And that is all part of, part of communication. But what I'm talking about is actually watching your language, watching the words that come out of your mouth. So starting with a definition. The definition in traditional grammar, word is the basic unit of language. A word refers to a speech sound or a mixture of two or more speech sounds in both written and verbal form of language. A word works as a symbol to represent, refer to something or someone. It's basically to communicate a specific meaning. Um, somebody might say a word, whether it is a written word or a verbal word, um, it conveys intention. It is basically, I am going to do this. It, it, that is a sentence with many words. And the idea is, is that it conveys an intention. Okay. So now that we have understood the technical definition of word, we can look into the power of a word. I find this all so fascinating. So um, many of my clients are religious of one, one form of religion or another. And it is there seems to be a common thread in many of the religions um, that say the world was created by God from the word, the word. Okay, so... Um, if you were to look at the actual definition of the word abracadabra. Abracadabra is a very interesting word. We're used to seeing it when we go to maybe a, a magic show and somebody says abracadabra and then all of a sudden a dove appears. Or abracadabra and they pull a rabbit out of their hat, right? I, when I was a kid, I just figured that was a magic word that meant that when you say abracadabra, something happens. Like something magically appears. But if you actually look at the definition of the word abracadabra, and this is from Wikipedia, um, in Hebrew, when you say abracadabra, in Hebrew, in Hebrew, the literal translation is, I will create as I speak. Or Aramaic, I create like the word. Okay, so that is the actual definition of abracadabra and it's very very 
I find that fascinating, right? All those years when I was watching, you know, the guy cut the girl in half, right? He's saying abracadabra, and I'm like, oh, that just must be a made-up word like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, and it turns out that it's not a made-up word. It's an actual word, and it means I will create as I speak, which, again, lends to the power of a word, a word. So if we start thinking, okay, that, that's pretty powerful. Words are powerful. Regardless of what your what your religious or spiritual beliefs are, there are many, many, many opportunities for us to look it in our in our own culture, in our own religion, in our own history, in our own background, in our own upbringing. Words being very powerful. That's why they say if you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. You know, I remember when my dad was raising us, he would say, if you give him your word. You give them your word, that means something. Give them your word. Do you, do you have, I ha, do I have your word? Back in the day, you know, you'd have a, a word and a handshake and that was good as gold. Now, of course, you need contracts and all of that, but still, uh, the word, do I have your word? That was a big deal. Do I have your promise? When you look at um, swear words, right? Or curse words. So basically... You know, um, do do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? You are swearing. You are promising to tell the truth with your words. Words are a big deal in a court of law. Um, curse words, right? So if you look, <laughs> curse words, there are some that you can't say, like on the air. There are some words that, you know, deemed by a committee of individuals or by a culture or by a community um, that this is deemed a bad word or this is deemed profanity or this is deemed, um, you know, there are, I learned the hard way when I went to Scotland, I, I took a trip to Scotland about 10 years ago, I learned the hard way that not all curse words are created equally and what's very benign here, a word that we use all the time, is very benign here in the United States. And Scotland is considered one of the most profane things you can say. And I was like, oh my gosh, pardon me, I'm an American. I clearly didn't know. Um, those are curse words or swear words. Or, you know, if you look at the word curse, uh, I, 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 did the defini- I looked up the definition of the word curse. An offensive word or phrase used to express anger or annoyance or or a solemn utterance intended to invoke a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment on someone or something. If, if she put a curse on him, if she cursed him with, I don't know, cursed him with something, right? That was back in the day. Um, I don't think we think of that so much in, in those terms today, but back in the day... Um, if you put a curse on someone, that was not a good thing. But a curse, meaning a, a, a word or a series of words to convey intention, right? So we can say, I wish you well, or we can, we can say things that are not conveying a nice intention, right? We are very, very, very probably loose with our words without giving it much thought these days. So the reason that I am bringing this up today is because I'm noticing people who have a tendency to be very hard on themselves do not necessarily have (laughs) um, 
very, maybe not a very good discipline with the precision of their words. So what the heck does that mean? I will give you a for instance. When I hear somebody say, God, I'm so stupid. I literally cringe. I literally, I, I will get, I will get no yucky cringe feelings in my body. Not because that person has insulted me, but because that person continues to insult themselves and it makes me feel awful. Or if I hear somebody shame a child, or if I hear somebody say, God, you're so, insert derogatory word here. Um, and sometimes people are super flippant about it, and sometimes people are, you know, certain people might be really mean about it and really ugly about it, and words can definitely matter. Um, but when I hear somebody say, uh, that'll never happen for me. Nope, that stuff doesn't happen to a guy like me. Or nope, nope, I'll never find love. Or oh, I'll never, and I'm like, ugh. Especially if you say you'll never find love. Like, what if we could all of us start looking at words more like a roadmap to creation? If, if, if our words are either the roadmap or the pavement or the unit or the tools that we use to pave our path or create our path or determine help us to determine how we're going to move forward I think we would all be really really precise with the words we choose so if words are our roadmap to creation then we need to be much more precise with the language we use so back in the day when if you heard any parent tell their child to watch your watch your language right watch your language or I'll, I'll wash your mouth out with soap for any kids who are listening to this that was a real thing that was a real thing ask either your parents or your grandparents what does it mean to have your mouth washed out with soap literally there were and my parents never did it for me or to me um but I know I had some friends in school whose parents did. If, if there was a parent who caught their child swearing, using a curse word, they would literally take a bar of soap and wash out their mouth, thinking that that was going to help, um, help stop the child from swearing, <laughs> make their mouth clean, so to speak. I don't know psychologically what that did or if it had any effect from like a conditioning standpoint but it's just funny now to me to even think that that was a tactic back in the day I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap because your mouth is dirty and we're going to clean it so if you were to say but the intention was the intention of the parent at the time was to basically say I don't like the way you're speaking you need to clean up your language you need to watch your language you need to clean up your mouth um with the, with the intention being they didn't want their, their kids to have a dirty mouth. They didn't want their kids to be speaking, just having, you know, curse words or profanity flying out of their mouth all the time. So if we were to say, okay, I know that my words assist in creating my future, my reality, my existence, even my right now, even my right now. Um, 
do I need to be a little bit more precise with my language? So I was watching this movie. It was actually a pretty good movie. It was called The Giver. Um, and it was... I don't want to give away the plot, but there was this this term that people used in that movie, and it really stuck with me. If the kid came home and says from school, Oh my God, Mom, I just had the worst day ever. The mom would say, Precision of language. You just had the worst day ever? Is that true? Did you just have the worst day ever? Or are you over-exaggerating? Are you being dramatic? Are you embellishing? And she would stop her son from, stop her son just with that one sentence. Precision of language. Is that true? Is that true? Did you just have the worst day ever? I mean, think about that. And then the son would say, well, no, it was just, I just had a challenging lunch. Okay, well, having a challenging lunch is a far cry from having the worst day ever. A far cry. But what happens, what happens, just like with anything, when something gets practiced over and over and over and over, you get really good at it. It becomes a habit. One of the analogies that I use when describing a habit is imagine that you have a, a clean, flat bed of sand that is slightly tilted off to one side. Maybe just think of you know, not completely flat. It has a certain incline. And just imagine that that flat bed of sand that is slightly inclined, that you have a glass of water. And you pour that glass of water slowly on the high side of the incline. And you watch a little river of water carve its way for the first time into the perfectly flat bed of sand. Right? You, you, anybody can visualize that, right? The water has carved its way out and it has found its way down to the, to the bottom of the, of the bed of sand. Now let's say that somebody else comes along and has a glass of water and starts pouring water into the exact spot at the top of that bed of sand, the incline, at the exact same entry point. Do you think it will typically follow the same river that's already been carved out? Or will it carve out a brand new river? Well, there's a lot of scientific variables that, would, that some scientists listening to this could say, no, this could happen and that could happen. But I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make a point here, which is all things being equal and all things considered, typically what will happen is the water will find its way down the already carved out path because it's the path of least resistance. The work's already been done. We're just going to go along the, the, the path that's already been carved out in the sand. We're, um, we're just going to follow that existing train of thought, that existing path. That is how habits are formed. Basically, you do something once and it's an action. You do something a hundred times and it's a repeated action likely to turn into a habit. So if that's why 30 day challenges are so great, right? Because if you do something continuously over and over and over, repetition is huge, repetition is huge, consistency is key. You do something over and over and over again, it becomes ingrained. That's where that word ingrained comes from. It's the water carving itself a river through the flat 
bed of sand, you know, it's become ingrained and therefore easier to follow, easier for that to be the new normal. So if we think of, if we think of all the things that are now habitual, well, every habit had a first time that you did it. Every, you know, smokers can remember their very first cigarette and say, okay, well, my very first cigarette was back when I was 18 and I was at a bar and my friend, you know, gave it to me. And then next thing you know, I did it again and again and again. Next thing you know, 20 years later, now he's trying to break the habit. It's a habit now that needs to be broken. Well, I got news for you. So is the language coming out of your mouth. It is a habit that is either working for you or working against you. For some people, it's neutral. But for the most part, I don't, I don't know if very many people think about the words coming out of their mouth very much or very often. How many times when people look at themselves in the mirror, do they say, I was, I was, you know, I was really lucky to get my mother's eyes. She has beautiful eyes and I have her beautiful eyes and I really appreciate my beautiful eyes that I inherited from my mother or no, usually they'll find the one thing that they don't like about their face and they'll pick on it to death. And hence the inner critic is born, right? So some people are very hard on themselves. Oh my God, I'm getting older. Oh my God, the wrinkles are coming. Oh my God, the wrinkles are coming. Oh my God, I'm getting older. Oh my God, this is starting to sag. Oh my God, that's starting to happen. Oh my God, that's starting to happen. And next thing you know, they become obsessed with how they look. They become obsessed with their, um, with how they perceive themselves. And at the end of the day, then that becomes a habit. And those words become very easy to say. Except that I'd like everybody here to think about something that they say a lot that doesn't work for them. And the best way to know if it is something that works for you or not is to think about saying it to your very favorite person. Okay, well, that just made everybody sit up straight. So let's just say I've, I've got a client who she considers herself, and she uses this word, she considers herself fat. Okay. God, I'm so fat. God, I've gotten so fat. God, COVID made me so fat. God, I'm so fat. I'm so fat. I'm so fat. And I say, first of all, you have to stop saying that word. Um, especially because the way that you're saying it, you are conveying very malintent toward yourself. There's a million other ways to say what you're trying to say. For instance, ooh, I'm looking forward to getting healthy. Um, or I appreciate that I'm finally taking the steps after six months of lockdown. I'm appreciating that I'm finally taking the steps to get, to get myself in the greatest shape of my life. If we're going to use words as a roadmap to what we want to create and you don't like your existing situation, then don't use the word that got you there. Use another word to create its opposite or to create its counterbalance. Um, so she'll come in and she's actually getting a lot better, a lot better. She's even noticed that her self-speak is improving dramatically, but it's, it's one of those things where it's a habit that you have to catch yourself and then interrupt that word and then replace it with another word. Um, I had another client 
say to me, oh my God, I'm broke. Oh my God, I'm broke. Like, I am so broke. And I say, wait, stop. Stop. Is that true? Precision of language, is that true? And she's like, well, it feels true. And I say, okay, well, let's, let's, let's do a little examination here. Um, are you, are you, um, homeless? Oh, no, 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 I'm not homeless. Okay. Have you been able to pay your rent or your mortgage on time? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I've been able to do that. Okay. Um, are you, are you able to, uh, feed yourself and your family? Oh, gosh, yes, of course I am. And I'm like, okay then precision of language, you can't say I'm broke. It's, it's an exaggeration that maybe something inside of you feels like throwing a little bit of a temper tantrum. It's an exaggeration of the truth that is, it may as well be a lie. So what I had her do in that moment after we examined that she was being um, very exaggerated, that she was not indeed broke, um, I said, all right, so what is a more precise way of saying how you're feeling? And she said, well, I guess a more precise way of saying how I'm feeling is I'm not liking what I'm spending my money on right now, or I'm not liking all the different places that my money has to go right now. And I said, do you see how that feels differently than just making some very bold, uh, statement like I am broke? And she goes, well, yeah, it feels way better. And I said, that matters. That matters a lot because every word has an emotional frequency attached to it. All we, and some words are very, very neutral. You know, there's some words out in the English language that are very, very neutral. There are other words that are emotionally charged, absolutely emotionally charged. Um, one way or another, either for beauty or for hate. Um, I love you. Those are three words. I love those words. I love you. Um, that makes, especially if you're hearing it from somebody that you love and who loves you, it, gosh, it does something to your heart. It makes it flitter with butterflies and it brings a warm glow through your whole body. I love those three words particularly when you feel them and when you know that they are not just hollow words. Um, there are other words. I hate you. Those are three words that, ooh, ask any mom whose kid has screamed, I hate you as they're slamming the front door and that parent just feels like a dagger was driven into their heart. Um, so words not only matter because of how they sound and the intention that they convey, there's also an emotional charge to a lot of words. And so where that begins to matter is if we hold a frequency in our body and we are responsible and we, we all know what it feels like to feel elated versus to feel crushed. We all know the difference between having um, excitement run through us versus panic or terror run through us, right? The difference between both of those situations, panic and terror versus love and excitement, 
you can feel the difference in the frequency that your body is holding when you are having that experience. So isn't it fair to say that I am broke has a much more profoundly painful uh, frequency that the body needs to hold versus I don't really care where all of my money is going right now. It's bothering me that I've got this money going out to these places. Yeah, it's much more precise. It's much more precise. And I'll tell you the difference between the frequency of I am broke and the frequency of I don't like where all my money is going right now is huge. The difference is huge. So I'm not telling you to sugarcoat things. How you feel is how you feel. But be very precise with your language. Don't let... Um, the habit of exaggerating to your detriment if you're going to exaggerate exaggerate to your betterment if you're going to exaggerate exaggerate towards where you want to go not where you don't want to go right Um, so if you can think of the words that you speak the thoughts that you have and the intention that you hold as being the roadmap to you creating your own world or at the very least assisting in creating your own world because let's face it there's a lot of there's a lot of energy at play and and we are co-creators not creators we but we do help to co-create our world then let's use words and intentions and thoughts to our betterment Let's uh, not say, oh, I'm such a fat old cow. Don't say that. Say, you know, COVID has definitely given me an opportunity to be lazy, which is maybe exactly what I needed, but I'm going to get my butt off the couch and start moving again because I want to be healthy. I want to I want to feel the fit body, uh, you know, the feeling of having a fit body. Again, that's very exciting to me. Use your words to create where you want to go. Because if you consistently repeat what is, particularly if you don't like what is, you are going to continue to get more of what is. For many people, their dialogue is a habit, nothing more. So any habit needs to be broken and the breaking of the habit needs to be the new habit. So interrupt those thoughts when you're having them. If you hear yourself saying something nasty about yourself to yourself, say, nope, nope, that was the old me. I know better now. Learn to be precise with your language. Authors do it. Writers do it. Can you imagine, you know, in a creative writing class, one of the things that I was taught is how boring would a sentence be if you use the same adjective six times in a sentence? Um, the good girl climbed up the good stairs to have a good dinner with her good friend in a good restaurant. That would not be a very interesting sentence. (laughs) No, we would say, all right, well, let's, let's find a, a more accurate way of saying that and a more creative way of saying that. Um, because as authors and writers, you know that, uh, you want to be intentional with your words. You want to be precise with your words. So if power of intention, meaning, think about this. This is a really good one. Think about this. 
people say, well, is this good or bad? And I'll say, well, strawberry ice cream, is it good or bad? I said, well, that depends on if you have a strawberry allergy, doesn't it? Um, some people, strawberry ice cream is poison. For somebody else, it's their favorite dessert. It's, it's different for everybody. If you look at a knife, a knife, is a knife good or bad? Well, it de de depends or on the intention of the one holding the knife. Is the one holding the knife looking to spread peanut butter and jelly onto a piece of bread? Okay, well, the intention of the person holding the knife is to make someone a sandwich. Where the intention of somebody else holding a knife might be to cut somebody and make them bleed. Okay, so are knives good or bad? Well, it depends on the intention of the one holding the knife, doesn't it? So if our intentions are good and we are watching our intentions and we are watching our language and we are watching our um, vibration or our frequency and that becomes very 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 important to us then it will it will become habit for us to watch our language our parents won't have to come in and wash our mouth out with soap and you will get good at it because it doesn't take as long as people think you just have to be consistent with interrupting the thought as you're having it or the words as you're saying them and just uh, say you know what this is no different than smoking it's gonna be hard at first and then it'll get easier and then it'll get easier and then one day I'll remember when I was somebody who used to smoke you know um, I used to be somebody who used to swear a lot in fact when I was 15 years or 14 years old I remember telling my parents hey guys I'm gonna start uh, I'm gonna start swearing at home now um, none of the big stuff. I'll just start with hell and damn for now. But I was so interested, even at 14, of, of carving out my road to adulthood. And in my mind, adults got to swear. And so I was, I was, you know, giving myself permission at 14 to start carving my way to adulthood. And you got to love my parents. They always gave me a lot of room <laughs> to figure myself out. Um, so yeah, so, uh, I was, you know, at some point, I think I swore like a sailor when I was 18, 19, 20, and then I realized, okay, well, that's sort of lazy. I mean, I love a good F-bomb as much as the next guy, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be precise with it. When I use it, it's going to be really, really good. It's going to be very intentional. It's going to be very powerful. I'm not just going to use it and then water it down. And the next thing you know, it's just every, every fourth word out of my mouth, just because it's become habitual. So for me, intention of language is all kinds of language. So, and I, hey, by the way, I've got, I've got lovely people in my life who swear like sailors and I love them to death and I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask them to do anything differently. That is who they are and I love them and it doesn't matter. For me, you know, that was a choice that I made for me. And who knows, maybe 10 years from now, I'll give myself permission to swear like a sailor just because I feel like it for a minute. And then that it'll be weird at first and then become habitual. And then, and then, you know, it'll be, it'll feel like, oh, that's just the way that Dawn talks. And then maybe 10 years from then, I'll go back. I mean, who knows? It's, it's not about good language, bad language in terms of, um, swearing it's more about what is your intention by saying it and when you say it here's the big one when you say it how does it make you feel 
And if you're saying it to yourself in particular, how would it feel to make that same remark to a person that you love dearly to their face? If it would make them cringe and therefore break your heart, then don't say it to yourself. Okay? All right. Watch your language, everybody. If we're using these words to create our own existence or our own reality, choose your words wisely. All right, everyone. Have a good rest of your day. Hopefully this stuck, sticks with you. Whatever part you want to take, take. And um, whatever part you want to leave behind, leave behind, as always. And uh, I hope you have a good rest of your day, everyone. Take care. May the force be with you. And I'll see you next time.